Welcome to Cali Made Us Do It, a podcast on culture, social issues, and trends rocking our worlds through our three different lenses. With your hosts, Kristen Tony, Jody Moore Lewis, and Alexandra Tennant. Oh yeah, Kristen can do the outro. <laughs> so she tried to get out of it. <laughs> I am just a talent, guys. Just a talent. <laughs> She's just the talent. You heard it here first. Just the talent. I'm hungry. You're hungry. I know. I could use a. I could use a bowl of cereal. Yeah. What is this cryptic text? Or do I live under a rock? Probably the latter, right? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Alex, do you want to? You want to start? Sure. So. <laughs> Um, in case you are like Jody, super busy, and maybe are living under a rock a little bit. Yeah, more accurate. About three days ago, uh, Twitter was all abuzz with a tweet from a man named Jensen Karp, who is an actor. He's an actor? I I don't know that he's an actor, but he is the husband of uh, uh, Topanga from Boy Meets World. So uh, Danielle Fick- uh huh, Danielle Fisher. Okay, throwback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll read the tweet out loud. He writes, um, at CTC Squares, Captain, sorry, not Captain. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> I did like uh, Captain Crunch too. That was another good crunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, CTC Squares, why are there shrimp tails in my cereal? In parentheses, this is not a bit. And we see a picture of what looks like an open bag of everyone's favorite cinnamon toast crunch. And what I mean, you tell me, Kristen, it looks like shrimp tails. Like it can't be anything else. Uh yeah, it's definitely central. Jody, I ju- just sent you the link so you can see it. We saved it. We didn't send it before because we wanted her genuine reaction so (laughs) i feel like i'm getting punked right now where is ashton kutcher (laughs) no (laughs) so that's not it though that's not it wait this is just the beginning uh, of the saga of shrimp tails and cinnamon toast crunch exactly the plot thickens the plot thickens so uh cinnamon toast crunch decided to respond and their response was, hey, we're going to look into this uh, with our product uh, quality department. We'll get back to you. Um, and then a, a couple hours later that day, he, they got back to him. Hold on, because I have to find. <laughs> Buckle up, guys. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have to find the exact I ha- tweet. I have the answer. You have, have it? The, okay, yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. So later on the same day, you know, this was gaining momentum on Twitter and people were starting to respond with their own stories of what they found in Cinnamon Toast Crunch cereal. Cinnamon Toast Crunch account responded with, after further investigation with our team that closely examined the image, it appears to be an accumulation of the cinnamon sugar that sometimes can occur when ingredients aren't thoroughly blended. We assure you that there's no possibility of cross-contamination with shrimp. I, I wish you guys could see Jody's face because it's exactly our reaction when we read it as well. 
I feel like this podcast is now just you two relaying information to me every week. Like, <laughs> we should just but, rename it. Jody doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> but it's great because we get to tell you and our audience at the same time. And also, you had a tough week. You just moved. Jody just moved. So, can I use that excuse so- for like a while? Like for months. Yeah, now. for like yes. For like a couple months. It takes a couple it's months. It's a process. To get yeah. I appreciate it. This is why this is why we're friends. <laughs> so Cinnamon Toast Crunch Gate uh 2021 is in full swing. Okay. We I mean, Jody, you're looking at it, Kristen. I you know, Kristen and I have talked. It, it can't be anything other than shrimp tails for me. Jody, do you see <laughs> do you see like hard cinnamon that is no it together is, or you know what are you it is a dried dried shrimp tail sprinkled with cinnamon yeah. that is the only cinnamon that is involved yeah uh so of course the jensen guy was like this is ridiculous are you guys serious well they le- then later emailed him and told him can he please return the contents so that they can examine it for themselves so he's gonna ship ship back the shrimp, ship the shrimp, ship the shrimp <laughs> back to the shipping place where the shrimp ended up in a cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> so that is what's happening. <laughs> okay, I want to hear your theories. Where do we think the shrimp came from? Was it somebody's lunch and they were starving and boxing the cereal at the same time? But it's dried, so it's old. Or does Oh, Alex has a theory. Her hand is raised. <laughs> I I mean, it's really like horrific and gross, right? And and it's it's problematic for a lot of different reasons. You know, a lot of people in the comments that have really bad shellfish allergies were like, what if this was in the bottom of the container? They didn't see it. They were po- you know, pouring bowls of the cereal and they go into anaphylactic shock. It, it's it's a big problem. So my mom works with um, a company that has a factory, a food factory. And, you know, I, I know of the rules and the protocol and the procedure of when people, the workers that go in and out of the factory and in the health and safety food situation, it, it would have had to have been somebody who, yes, had that food item on their person. And for whatever reason, I'm leaning towards probably chose to include it, um, you know, I'm like thinking about what I know factory workers have to wear, where those items can even go on your person. It, it would be like, you know, falling out of a your back pocket of your pants is kind of hard to believe. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, uh, not accusatory. I have no idea what, what's going on or, you know, if they determined if this is real or fake, but knowing how factories kind of operate, I would have to imagine that there's a possibility this could be intentional. I don't, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> Conspiracy theories are happening on the podcast now too. Da, da, da. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, like why would they be and hit someone? I just almost said him. I'm pretending it's a man, I mm-hmm. guess. But they're back pockets. Like who would put shrimp tails in your back pocket? You would smell. It has to be like a jeopardizing thing. Like that's just, that's weird. And what are the fucking odds that the person that gets it has following on 
fucking swear. Right? <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I don't know. You know how Gen Z is? You might be canceled, bro. <laughs> you might. I think the way that they dealt with the response is probably what people are a little bit more upset about more than even like they're accidentally being something in the food. We know a lot of these factories do make all different kinds of foods and they run different, you know, things on their lines. So I, I think that now it's more of how companies are handling missteps like this, right? Like, you know, we, we want them to care. We want them to be like, why is there shrimp in there? We, you know, we're going to figure it out and we'll refund your money. And are you okay? Do you have an allergy? Um, you know, we want them to show like a little bit more care and concern. Um, even, even for something small, like a, you know, $5 box of cereal or a box of cereal. Um, so I think that's probably like where they, they went wrong, do you guys think that they can come back from this? Well, now there's a lot of knockoffs. I mean, they're always like the fancy knockoffs, the organic cinnamon rice cakes or whatever <laughs> you can find. I'm sure Trader Joe's can do anything. I believe in Trader Joe's. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. A lot. We're, we're big fans of the Joe here. <laughs> So I also was kind of thinking like, you know, back in the day, I feel like when we were growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, um, when something like this happened, consumers really did steer away from that product. Um, like, for instance, years ago, I forget, I actually think it was in Chicago, Kristen, um, there were some Tylenol that was found that was laced and Tylenol mm -hmm. had to kind of do a rebranding to get their image back, even though it wasn't an internal thing for them, it was external. Um you know, so we really would now, you know, I wonder if people flock to the store to buy the cereal to see if they can find something inside, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I wonder how people will react in this world where we almost kind of like, when bad things happen to people or companies, we almost kind of like, put it in the spotlight and, and enhance it instead of. Uh, but remember, just... when Wendy's found someone found a anger and the chili oh god <laughs> and wendy's is still kicking granted they, yeah. they give you a plethora of options but who is who owns cinnamon crunch like general mills or something they have a yeah they do cheerios and all that right i mean wendy's wendy's their marketing alone has stepped up so yeah. they probably found somebody to fix because like their responses on twitter hilarious amazing <laughs> goes viral every time mm -hmm. and that's what we need coming off a year like 2020 we need our comfort food and the people behind the comfort food to step up and give us comfort For so sure. general mills yeah. step up with the cc t c wait ctc ctc yeah also like if you need like a better pr person i've never done it but i think i i could i'm really good at customer service so I'm looking for a job. So if, <laughs> if you need somebody to talk to people on Twitter, I got you because whoever this is, not to get them in trouble, but like talk to them because they need help. Yeah, I think the handling of the situation is was not good. <laughs> All right, well, that's something to take away from this hot take. Was it shrimp or was it not? Let us know, follow us on Instagram and let us know what you think. And now I'm reminiscing about all my art, uh, my favorite comfort foods that I ate in 2020. So why don't we just get into the episode about 
quarantine and isolation because I'm sure that shrimp tail yeah. felt very isolated in that cinnamon toast crunch box. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Hey. So in this episode, we are diving into quarantine and isolation. This is sort of a reflection episode. We are wanting to kind of go through 2020, what it brought to us, what it reminded us of, the experiences of not just ourselves, but of other people around the world or in our country. Yeah, so 2021, still in the pandemic, just kind of checking in. How are you both, at least right now, at the beginning of the year and 2020 behind us, how are you both feeling? So many thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we'll go ahead and start. You know, the pandemic for me personally really magnified other areas of my life that I was actually already isolated. I started with a company and we would work from home a couple of days a week. um, And then we went full time at home a few years before the pandemic. And I had kind of started to see the effects of it play out in my life. And I had never really paid attention to it. Um, before. And then of course, once lockdown happened in March, I, everything was that much more intensified, you know, the little interactions that I did have to look forward to um, went away and went away really quickly. At the beginning, the saving grace was knowing that there was an end date, right? So we were told, you know, we'll be locked down for two weeks and the virus will go away and we'll get out. Um, And so in a lot of my research and a lot of what I was reading, you know, isolation, the, and the effects of it are different for those that know when they'll be out of it. And then it's a different situation for those that don't know when it will end. And then obviously isolation is a spectrum, right? So, you know, I feel isolated from a lot of the people and the activities that I did regularly, but I also have the amazing advantage that I am not isolating or quarantining alone. Um, I do have my partner and my best friend um, and we're all living together. So, you know, it's, it's a spectrum. We fall somewhere on the spectrum of yes, being lonely, missing our friends and family, but um, we also are able to have face-to-face interaction. We're able to have touch. We're able to do activities together, which I think helps lessen the blow a lot. So yeah, it's been, it's been really rough. I think being away from family, I think seeing family and not being able to have those physical sensations of touching and hugging and being physically close to them um, has definitely taken a toll. And it's something that, you know, a lot of us didn't even think about before. And now we have to think about all the time, every single time we walk out the door or go do laundry or drop the mail off in the mailbox, you know, um, having to physically distance ourselves from other people is a really weird phenomenon that I think is just new to everybody. And we're all kind of navigating it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have a, my experience is a tad bit different um, because I am quarantining with my best friend and her partner. However, I experienced less touch. And before I didn't notice, uh, it was funny. I did this, uh, I read this book um, called uh, Choosing Me Before We. It makes you dig into you're kind of like your subconscious and like really try to fish for what you really, really like want in 
and a partner in in life like period like what do you want because uh, often we we let our ego decide or we um or we let the outside influences decide for us uh I remember going over it with my therapist and one of the things that I didn't even realize was like touch that came up a lot in different ways it was uh, a physical touch or like just like something to know that somebody's there so I think I struggled with that in the uh for the entire time I found myself asking my roommate like I'm sorry can I just have a hug because and without even knowing that that is what I do and I do hug people (laughs) a lot outside of quarantine and like touch people and it's probably this probably sounds really bad like (laughs) listen listeners ask before you can touch people ask for permission but um I feel like in that sense I have been uh greatly affected by that I also am a very social being I mean we all are social beings I mean if we weren't all the articles that we looked up on isolation and um in uh solitary confinement wouldn't be so tragic especially for people with mental illness so um we're all social beings i'm very very social uh and at times it was really really hard however being alone made me sit with myself more for me personally it wasn't really a total loss like i wasn't like it's not completely like I mean no it's gonna be traumatic sorry it's traumatic but like it's not completely uh gone in vain um I a lot of introspective work went on uh in 2020 a lot of things that I couldn't see because I was so moving so fast and moving from group to group and hanging out with all kinds of people um but it was a dramatic change which anytime a dramatic change happens you know, like it's kind of hard to cope with. I feel a little different going into 2021, not because anything has changed, but um, I did make a conscious decision that I was tired of being sad. Um, just to be honest, a lot of us happened outside of the pandemic, as I'm sure for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people lost family members. A lot of people's family members have been sick for months and months on end. And on top of that, a lot of people are going through the regular everyday struggles that already exist on top of the isolation and the quarantining and staying away from your family. So um, making the conscious decision that I'm no longer going to be sad and only like, like chronically sad, like sad when feeling feelings, when, you know, the feelings come and then letting it go is my 2021, uh, 2021 resolution. I'm pretty sure I have like 5 million of them, but you know, <laughs> Hey, you can have as many as you want. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? So. There's no rules. <laughs> well, from what I'm hearing from both of you is kind of like, it's, there's the spectrum of mental health and how that how that really affected us. I think, Alex, you're probably about to ask me. Yeah. About me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I also luckily have my partner that I live with. So, you know, that, that definitely helped. We were able to keep each other grounded. What is interesting is there were echoes for me Um, back in 2017, when I got married, I was working two serving jobs 
acting, planning our wedding, also started an Etsy business. It was a really busy year and I booked several acting gigs that were able to allow me to take a break. And I was like, I need a break. I need to just step away and, and just be. And then I remember at the end of 2017 when I didn't have any serving jobs to go to, any wedding to plan, just my whatever acting came along and whatever um, Etsy stuff came along. I was like, what do I do? What do I do with my time? I have all this time. And I realized I was really sad. And I, it was almost like the hustle of working in a restaurant kept me busy and away from my true desires or away from my true feelings or from actually feeling it. And um, it was like a false security of a job that I go to mindlessly to make money, to come home, to sleep, and then like do a little of my creativity during the day. But it was like I always had it to grasp onto and I didn't have that anymore, that safety net. I was exposed to a lot of myself. So when quarantine happened, and and beautifully that led to like my more spiritual journey, which I'm very thankful for. But when quarantine happened, it reminded me a lot of that moment that significance in my life, that turn of sitting with my feelings. And I'm not saying that was easier for me, but I was just like, whoa, this is still hard for me. I had some beautiful projects in the works that just magically disappeared because they could not happen. And that was, you know, a lot to grieve and understanding that I could get through it because I have done it before, maybe not on this grand scale, was very grounding or calming to some extent, not every day. But having had been through that in 2017, that dark time, because it was, it did feel like a dark time. It did make me feel very worried for a lot of people that maybe didn't have it, that chance to explore themselves in a safe way. You know, like it, it was, I had a, in 2017, I chose to give up some work to I didn't realize that work was going to end up now I got to work on myself, but it was still a sort of choosing, not like a forced container that I put myself in. It was just like this big full circle reflection moment of me. And, you know, it was very up and down. I'm still trying to find the, I, I definitely spit a lot of silver lining and, and hopefulness out, but there is the real darkness of everything too that I'm it is not lost on me that that is still there at the beginning of quarantine there was a lot of talk about this getting out right like it was a place that we were in that we were getting out and all the things that we were going to do once we got out and all the people that we were going to see once we got out and now that we are coming up on almost a year of this we're getting a better understanding that this isn't really a situation that we're getting out of as much as we're evolving our lives to make work around. Like, you know, it's not just going to go away one day magically. I think everything will change. I think our work, I think um, the way that we travel, the way that we interact with others, you know, in with the new administration, how healthcare works, how uh, the economy works, everything will be changing and evolving like it always does. So is there something that you feel like when there is some sort of sense of return to some kind of normalcy that you would do different in your social life? And 
do different? Like, would you, would you have, you know, more dedicated time to yourself that maybe both of you didn't make before? Like Jody, you said, you know, you made a choice to make it. Kristen was kind of forced into like sitting with herself and, you know, sitting like forced into a situation of isolation. Is there something that when the medical forical get medical forical, when the metaphor, <laughs> when the metaphorical getting out happens that you, you want to change or, or do differently? Uh, I mean, something I've been working on, I think before quarantine, but quarantine shed a light on how important it is, is for me to just surrender and let go. And, you know, I, there is a weird spirituality with the quarantine and, and being with yourself. And, you know, I'm not a big religious person, but I definitely have faith. And um, this isn't a podcast about religion or faith, but that's, that's really what it was about for me. And it, even over quarantine, I would go back into a lot of my habits of, well, I need to make sure I'm doing this because like whenever I need to show that like I've been productive over quarantine or I need to make sure that it was like I was, it was so many shoulds and so many need to, have to, where's the fun? Where's the fun in that? You know, there's obviously real life things that real life productivity and efficiency that we need to do. But if it's constantly that battle of, shoulda, coulda, woulda, need to do this, gotta stay on top of it, you know, time is running out, that lack mentality, you know, there's no surrendering, there's no being open to what else might come, there's no room for anything else to just magically appear and because that's kind of what it is, sometimes it is magic, like things just come to fruition and you don't even realize it, you know, it's kind of how this podcast was, you know, if we didn't have that moment of surrendering or just being open to new things like who knows that we we would have just been living our the lives that we were living before the pandemic instead of wanting to be like hey we want to come together and talk to each other and talk to people about the different experiences of living in this world and living in this country and and open people's eyes to that you know i just i just want to keep surrendering and i guess that's going to be a constant probably for the rest of my life uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that I think I've always thought of myself as like kind of this free spirit and I do whatever I want and when I want and think about and don't think about the repercussions, blah, blah, blah. But as I sat into quarantine, I realized how much I tried to control every situation by not being locked down by not being tied to one job by not you know not being tied to a specific place and you know like I like it's just it was a sense it was a sense of control like if I if I I feel I feel like also letting go more is something that I want to change and not in the same sense of like, sorry. Yeah. Letting go and not trying to control every situation or how the outcome we can't, you can't, you can't predict the outcome of things. So um, no matter what you do, like I, right before quarantine, I was, thriving and getting ready to like you know try to move on and up in the place that I was at 
and then I then we got in lockdown and I was like that's not that's not what I I get carried away with everything that I do because I want to be the best at whatever it is that I want to do you know or what I'm doing not what I want to do and um changing the fight to survive um to actually living um is what I want to change or what I want to go into when we do get out into the regular world um and also um fuck these corporations oh my gosh yeah (laughs) like I want to get to a place where like I feel out of everything that's what was put into like real perspective like I always had a like inkling because uh my best friend works in travel so I see like what people can do with money like I've been on trips with you know my friend who goes to these places and there's so many like excursions and things and I'm like oh it's great like when you have money you can do all of these amazing things but when we went into lockdown you know these people's lives like they don't change but ours changed drastically but we are the reason that they can keep doing that like we are the consumers that is enabling Amazon we're enabling Nike we're enabling all these big big corporations and my my client uh my best friend doesn't work for any of those so that's not who I'm talking about but you know like these particular people who literally just make money off of our work that has to that has to be at the top of the list we have to figure figure that out it's funny frankie and i literally were just having this conversation over lunch so like right before we talked and we were talking about capitalism and i'm like i just feel like capitalism isn't true like yes we can all open our own business here however the fuck we want we can do we can do all of that but it is so hard to survive when all the money is tied up at the top when all these corporations and yes some of them are made from people that worked on it from the ground up which is great but there needs to be some rules about that because community isn't amazon community isn't walmart isn't target isn't any of these big corporations community is cafe 101 in hollywood that literally just closed that was around for decades and there's so much history and it's all the restaurants that haven't survived or the small businesses that haven't survived and it's a weird it and that's opened my eyes too kristen like everything's tied up at the one percent and like there's no trickle down there you know and 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 we're part of we we buy from these places, you know, like they provide jobs. I mean, what is that like minimum wage when people are making billions of dollars? It's just, yeah, the way we spend our money was a huge eye opener. And then we weren't making money to help. And it was just this big catch 22. Well, just just to piggyback off of that. Sorry, Alex, I'm gonna it's really quick. Um, But what um what really stuck out about that is like I had a conversation with somebody and somebody mentioned like well we don't live in a in a country that supports the people like you know everybody's 
in it for themselves. And when I thought about it, I said, that's not true. That's not fair because they bail out companies more than they've ever bailed out the people. So if it's going to be every man for himself, it's every company for themselves, every man for themselves, like a corporation shouldn't, that makes billions of dollars definitely shouldn't get millions of dollars of relief. That's wild. Corporations are treated like government pretty much. Exactly. It's (laughs) it's wild. But sorry, Alex. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is, is in the same vein as everything you guys have said, you know, you both mentioned um, like releasing control and surrendering. I actually feel the same, but different. I feel like I'm in more control of my life since quarantine happened. And for a few reasons, like I said before, I felt completely isolated. And when you do, and obviously we're not scientists, you know, to throw out statistics, but when you do feel isolated for a long time, you do start to kind of lose your power. And I saw that slowly happening in my life. I felt like I lost power over the things that I wanted. I felt like, you know, I had, I felt like I had a lot of victim mentality. I felt like I was very dependent on other people. I felt like I was dependent for security, for well-being. I felt, you know, if I didn't stay where I was in that point of my life, then I would lose everything. And once I saw, and this, I'm not sure how to put this so it doesn't sound grotesque, but it's the truth. Once I saw people start to lose things, start to lose their jobs and their livelihoods and still be okay, I realized that I could leave the situation that I was in, or I could start making changes in my life and still be okay. And I felt really, really empowered. And I still do. And that's something that I'm carrying into this new year is like you said, you know, I'm no longer putting my hands or my life in the hands of these companies and these corporations. And I am taking back power and control over my life and what I want. I'm starting to make choices for myself that are aligned with my values use. Um, so I feel really in control where before I felt like I was just kind of like swimming in this, in this ocean and living a life that I may not ever get out of that I knew wasn't mine in the first place. And now I feel like I am intentionally designing my life the way that I want to in the time and space away from the things that didn't align with me really, really empowered me to like Chris, like both of you have said to think about what I really want to be on my spiritual path. But yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm the captain of my ship now. Like I make the choices. I call the shots, which is something that I haven't felt in a really, really long time. And, um, you know, I think when we all came out to California, we did kind of have that essence about us, right? Like we were going to make things happen. We were manifesting our dreams. We were, we came here to create and you do lose that along the way, just trying to survive. So I think, you know, absolutely surrendering and being open to the possibilities because they are endless and they're limitless. And I believe that, but you know, before quarantine, I definitely argued for my limitations. I said, I can't do X because of Y. I can't book that because I would have to go on an audition and going on that audition would mean missing four hours of work. And if I miss four hours of work, I might lose my job. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like it's this like domino effect of just like not really being in your power. 
I loved what you said. <laughs> okay, well, A, hype girl, thank you. I feel so empowered now that I heard that. Thanks. Ooh, ooh. But losing sight of your dreams because you're just trying to survive. I'm just kind of like, I think, not that that's for everyone, but that's probably a lot of kind of going back to like what I went through when I quit my jobs a few years back, like that was kind of, I think some of that grief that was there. I didn't know where I was on the spectrum. And I think that's some of the grief that people see when they, when their identity is wrapped up in their specific career or their identity is wrapped up in the corporation that they're supporting or, or whatever. And we, we don't know who we are. A lot of us, well, I mean, I mean, we don't have to know who we are. We can keep, we're always going to evolve and change, but to have that core essence of ourselves, I think that's, it's kind of what lost or we're not taught to, to let that freak flag fly, you know, we're not taught to, you know, we're taught to di- talk to diminish that. And so anyways, I just thought that was just very empowering, but very true to the human experience of what probably a lot of people are going through, still going through, or had to acknowledge during this time. And other than us specifically and like our um, experiences with quarantine, I know we all kind of looked into people that aren't like us, people who have always been isolated, who have been in jail, who the elderly, who these are their last times, these might potentially be their last years and could potentially no longer be on this earth. And this might be how they're living their last few days. You know, what, what are kind of your thoughts on those experiences or what have you, I think you both have said you've read a few articles or anecdotes, anything that you can share on that? Yeah. I mean, I was reading a couple articles. Um, I'm probably going to have to plug the article in here about, um, we'll put it in the show notes. Oh, I think it's America. So, uh, psychological association. Um, and they were talking about, you know, and this would probably pertain to more so the people that really did isolate or quarantine alone and they didn't have roommates. Um, I mean, they do that in the jail. And what happens is sometimes, according to the American Psychological Association, is sometimes uh, if they have mental illness that is undiagnosed um, or um or that it is diagnosed, what happens is the fact uh, it affects them so greatly that you know it becomes more so uh, more of a problem where it's like more psychosis and you know uh, psychotic breaks and things like that. Uh, I think it's uh, very cruel <laughs> that we even we don't deal with the mental illness in itself that probably landed that person in the jail in the first place. Um, and then on top of that, we, you know, every day there are people that have to be put into, have to be put into solitary confinement because they're not mentally stable and it makes it worse. It doesn't, it's not helping the situation. So there's also like the effects of which I've felt as well, like anxiety and depression, um, is increased when you're forced to isolate. Um, and I, even though I have a roommate and or two roommates, the anxiety that I have felt 
has been the greatest of my entire life. Uh, before I didn't, I only had anxiety about situations that where I thought I was going to lose my job or, you know, you know, fear of my like little sister walking out at night, going out or something like that, you know, um, like extreme situations sometimes I'll just wake up and I'll have this weird anxiety that I've never experienced before and I didn't even know what it was I just thought I was like a little nauseous it was something I ate or you know just felt different it felt like I wasn't myself a lot of my research um was done on um obviously uh isolation in the prison system and then elderly people you know we they were, of course, probably most susceptible to COVID-19, people um, 65 or older, um, although I wouldn't really consider people in their 60s elderly. Right. Um, they're, probably, they're probably in the highest risk group. Um, Come on, we're evolving. Let's evolve the 60s, okay? Right. <laughs> um, the people in this group are, you know, at the, the highest risk. And then you think of people that are already in these, you know, assisted living facilities that have not been able to see their families that haven't been able to have touch. You think you begin to see like these, a lot of these people, when you grow older, some of your senses deteriorate, right? So your sense of sight, your sense of hearing deteriorates. This really interesting article actually came out yesterday from the Atlantic. Um, that was talking about, you know, elderly people that couldn't necessarily hear or see over a Zoom call, which we're all used to, and that's how we're connecting. They really, really were relying on touch. Well, when touch is unavailable, like Kristen was talking about earlier, they're really left with nothing. And they're seeing now that everything from, from language is deteriorating. Like they're, they're unable to make complete sentences or words and they're losing their language capabilities because they're not able to interact as normal. And there's that fine balance, right? We want to keep people safe and keep them in our lives as long as possible, but we also have to focus on their mental health and every single demographic of people is going to need something very different. You know, for us, thank thankfully we we can use technology. We are able to see a, a couple of friends and family, but for people that are isolated and you know, do have diminished hearing or diminished sight, it's it's even heightened for them. Um, and then as Kristen said earlier, on top of it, you have people that are dealing with everyday terminal illnesses that just need the emotional support to get through it and they aren't able to get it. So I think, I think we don't quite know the full effect of what last year really meant of what 2020 really meant and the consequences of it. I do agree that some of them are going to be really beautiful. People are going to be empowered to, um, to live life on their own terms. I think that we are going to have to really reevaluate what it means to be social and to take care of those that aren't able to advocate for themselves. So the people in the prison system, the people in assisted living facilities, whether they're seniors or whether they're people with developmental disabilities that aren't able to advocate for themselves. I think it's going to be a really great mirror that our country has needed for a really long time. Yeah, I love that. Um, Regardless, yeah, our our healthcare systems and the way we talk about mental health, it is changing, but it needs to change quicker and a lot more. Like it needs to be accessible. 
And just hearing you speak about the elderly, and I didn't even think about the fact that like they're not utilizing their brains or their senses as much as normal and how that can deteriorate, you know, I think on the opposite spectrum, all the kids that have been affected, I was listening to The Daily back over the summer and there was a whole episode on how children need to socialize and interact to develop those parts of their brains and to develop skills and communication and nonverbal communication and all like how like morphing into like the baby bird leaving the nest, but also how important it is to not be in school because of COVID. And I just want to, I A, don't know what that's like to be a kid during this time. So I think about them, but then I think about the parents and how much pressure that put on them to think about what is best for their kids, but also what is best for the community and the people that they're around. Like, I just, I know that that's been a lot on a lot of moms and even women who have given birth have had to do it on their own. You, the husbands have had to miss out on their like first children and getting born. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a lot on everyone and everyone has had different things, but regardless, mentally, we need to keep having these conversations to keep all of us strong because that's kind of like the, the wiring of our entire bodies, right? It's like all connected in a way. I mean, I could be making that up, but I feel like it's when your mind is healthy and we're all very fortunate to have healthy minds to get us through our sadness or our dark times or to keep our minds occupied in healthy ways. I just think that's really important for everybody and it needs to be accessible for everybody. We as a as a collective humanity have known the um, the really horrible effects of isolation for hundreds, if not thousands of years, if not for all human existence. Our bodies actually have built in sensors to keep us from being isolated that helped us that helped our ancestors survive. So I read uh, this really interesting article, which is actually published back in 2014 by the BBC. And we'll put it in the show notes. The title is How Extreme Isolation Warps the Mind. Social isolation unleashes an extreme immune response, a cascade of stress hormones and inflammation. This may have been appropriate in our early ancestors when being isolated from the group carried big physical risks. But for some of us, the outcome is mostly harmful. So back when we were first developing our body, our language, and our brains were developing, right? And there were these big, massive animals running around and humans were not at the top of the food chain yet. Our brains told us, hey, being alone, being outside of the group is dangerous. Don't do that. So we have these built-in chemicals in our brain that tell us, hey, being alone isn't good. Being alone isn't good. We also developed ways to be socially acceptable, right? We started wearing the same clothes. Our tribe spoke the same language. We behaved in the same ways as the people around us so that we would be socially accepted because our brains knew that isolation meant that we were not going to survive. And it's funny, I'm really, really into neuroplasticity and neuroscience and how, you know, in some ways we've evolved so much as humans, like sometimes, you know, people now aren't even born with like molars or wisdom teeth anymore, but then our brains, some parts of them are still in the same place that they were when we were, you know, when we first evolved into the human form that we are in now. So a lot of 
what we do now are these like innate responses that we don't always have control over. Yeah. I love, I love, I love hearing all about that stuff. Yeah. We'll have to have like a neuroscience episode because I'm super stoked on it and neuroplasticity, the ability for the brain to change itself. But to wrap it up, do you have a favorite moment or memory from your quarantine? It can be something silly or profound. My personal favorite, um, oh, that's really hard. <laughs> I thought I knew and then all of these things started popping into my head. The My first gut reaction um, was to say that I had the ability and resources to have access to a therapist. Um, it's been the best money that I've ever spent on anything in my entire life. And I, I just feel so grateful that I was able to to have the resources to have access for it because I think that it has dramatically um, altered all of the relationships in my life. I think that with all of the separation in this new age of Aquarius (laughs) air sign, there's going to be a lot of coming (laughs) together. And I'm so excited now because I feel like I have all of these new tools to bring forward in my current relationships and all of the amazing new relationships I'm going to have after this. And uh, therapy really gave me the tools to do that. And I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to pay that forward one day when I'm able to. That's so funny. Oh, Alex, before you go, do you want to plug, uh, the affordable, uh, mental health website? Oh, Yes. So, um, I, I do like many people I, um, so I'm still employed and I do have health insurance. Um, and yet even with health insurance, mental wellness, so psychotherapy, psychology is still really expensive and I couldn't afford it. Um, so I found a resource it's called open path and they provide affordable therapy for those who cannot afford it. You pay a one-time yearly membership fee to Open Path. I think as of 2020, I think it was like $60 and that's, it's not yearly. It's just a one-time lifetime membership um, to sign up. And then you are able to search for a therapist in your area, your state, or that specializes in whatever you need them to specialize in. And those therapists have a sliding scale um, of anywhere from like $30 to $60 a session which um, I know for a lot of people that's still um, really out of reach. Um, but for, for you, if you are affordable and if you are able, it's such an amazing, amazing affordable resource. And I love my therapist. She's absolutely incredible. Um, but yes, it's called Open Path. Um, yeah, one day we need to maybe have a podcast about mental health because uh, unless you have a diagnosis, they won't pay health insurance really won't pay for it until you reach your deductible. So that's fun. Um, uh, that's a little thing I learned over uh, quarantine. Um, so really funny. Um, mine is similar uh, to Alex. Um, most memorable moment. And I have to chalk it up to it's kind of therapy. I mean, I learned it through therapy, but I had a realization of like some unseen trauma that I experienced and it gave me a lot of answers as a person that always wants answers to whatever. Like, I'm not a kind of person that's like, well, it's just like that because it's like that. And, you know, and I feel like, I feel like the knowledge of what has happened 
in the past really, really helped me see the problems that I have in my everyday life. Uh, so it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Like I'm super grateful and it was a array of emotions, emotions that happened once I figured it out, I realized it, um, which I wouldn't have been able to realize without therapy. So yes, therapy is in a way we're circling back. Therapy was um, the, I guess, like pinnacle of this year for me, I guess. Yeah. I think my favorite memory was leading the women empowerment groups, the moon circles, connecting, you know, I was leading it, but I wasn't a leader. You know, we were all leaders of our own lives, but I was able to guide and help shed light and others help shed light for me. And um, it was nice to get deep and talk about evolution and community during a time where we felt so disconnected. And the protesting, I don't like that we had to protest, obviously, <laughs> you know, the protesting, I mean, it just sucks that we have to do it, but it was a beautiful time to see all these different kinds of people together for justice, for equality. It was very moving. So those were my uh, big quarantine moments. At the beginning of our podcast, we like to start you off with a hot take, which is our take on something that happened this week. So just to add a little balance at the end of our podcast, we want to leave you with a hot give, something you can take from the podcast and explore out in the world. So these are our hot gives for the week. My hot give is a little cruel if you don't live in Los Angeles, because this is specifically for Los Angeles. So I'm so sorry if I make you all very jealous, but if you are my friend and you know who you are, I just want you to move here. So this is me luring you <laughs> to move to LA and be with me. But anyways, um, a friend of a friend <laughs> told me about this company that her friend started called In Good Company, but it's a food delivery company that delivers freezer friendly or easy to cook meals from restaurants, like local restaurants. Chef made frozen dishes delivered to your door, local, delicious, easy dinners at home. So we just um, got them. We're making one tonight, but th they came in really cute packaging. It's eco-friendly, dropped off at your door, and they're all from a local restaurant. So you're supporting restaurants and keeping them in business, but also not having to go out to eat if that's something you're still not comfortable with. So we got Gula Gutsa. I don't know if you've heard. That's where I got the Christmas tamales. We got their chicken mole negro. Mm. Uh, we might be pronouncing it wrong. So please let me know how to say it, Los Angeles. From Botanica, we got the bean and greens shakshuka. From Angry Egret Dinette, we got Tia Judy's pork Colorado quesadilla. And from Highly Likely, we got their Moroccan braised short rib. And they come like a dish that you would make, like it's enough for Frankie and I to share a dish. And if you go onto the website, which I'll link below, they're doing one free meal. And I just thought it was a really clever, cute idea and a new way to do food and help out restaurants. 
Love it. That is super cool. I'll have to check them out. What is the name again? In Good Company. In Good Company. In Good Company. Amazing. That sounds like something that we need in our house for sure. Yeah, it's and um, I think it takes about two weeks for them to deliver. So when you order it, it's not something you're going to get immediately because the chefs actually need the time to prepare it. And then they like know how many orders to make and then they make it and give it to you. And then all you do is pop it in the oven. Amazing. It's like a modern day microwave dinner, but with really great restaurants and really great food. Yeah. And no shrimp tails. And hopefully Unless you want the shrimp tails. <laughs> Hopefully only consensual shrimp tails. <laughs> Amazing. Super, super cool. Thank you. I'm going to go look it up right when we get off. Absolutely. Kristen, what do you got for us this week? All right. So <clears throat> I started watching this docu-series. It's about, it's uh, six episodes and it's called Amend. It talks about the 14th Amendment and how it's been used to give uh, rights to people who weren't getting said rights. It talks about how all of the like uh, marches and um, political stands, like that it was learned from black people fighting for their own rights. Uh, it's really cool because there's a lot of forgotten black leaders uh, like there was a woman um, before Rosa Parks that sat on the bus and wouldn't get up. There was a gay civil rights leader that uh, history has a way of, you know, writing them out. And it uplifts the, those people who were left out and fought for our rights. So, and it trickles into women's rights and gay rights and everything in, like everything in between. It's all about all men are created equal. And uh, it's really great. Uh, it's led by Will Smith and it's a bunch of um, artists who like quote famous uh, civil rights leaders, um, abolitionists. Uh, I really, really like it. It's something different. Um, and it's so sad that we're still getting documentaries and we're still learning about different people that had something to do with our freedom today. That's my hot give today. And I hope everybody takes time to watch it because it's great. I love that. I'm definitely going to watch it. I appreciate you sharing that. Sounds really important. It, sorry, it's on Netflix. <laughs> um, I I was just going to say Netflix is coming out with some some really amazing content, you know, scripted and live reality content, documentary content. Um, I definitely, Kristen, I know you've been watching it and every night I say I'm going to catch up. So while I'm looking up my food, I will, <laughs> I will try to catch up. But um, mine actually, speaking of good content on Netflix, is also a TV show that Kristen made me watch one night. It is called Canine Intervention. And <laughs> I absolutely love this show. I think we sat and we binged like the entire season of the show. Um, so Canine Intervention is about this really amazing guy. I would say he's like the male version of myself. Um, <laughs> and he, uh, he is a dog trainer in Oakland. And it, the show does a really good job. It bounces back from kind of his history, how he got into dog training, and then helping his friends and family and his community with not only dog adoption and dog rescue, but then training them so that they can be really beneficial parts of the family. 
if you're looking for something that is uplifting and positive and hopeful it is such a great show especially if you're an animal lover um this guy what he does is absolutely amazing his message is amazing he's really about second chances he's about giving dogs second chances and then he employs a lot of people um, in the community that have been injured for any amount of reasons accidents uh, gang violence um you know veterans that have physical disabilities, um, he gives them jobs and teaches them how to train dogs and empowers them and, and allows them to, you know, find paths for themselves. He empowers children like little boys, you know, teaches them discipline while you're, while he's teaching them how to discipline their pet, their, their family member. It's, it's just, it's so feel good. We finished the season. I'm like dying for another season. I'm not sure if there is one, but if you are looking for something really, really just light and uplifting and beautiful stories, a beautiful person doing really, really good things within his community, you know, um, which is something that we kind of lose sight of sometimes. It's like, you can make such a big impact in such a small way. Uh, I would definitely check it out. Canine Intervention on Netflix. Do that after you uh, watch a men, cause you'll be angry <laughs> after you watch a men. So go to bed, watch some puppies. And, um, and yeah, that is my hot give to you all. I know who doesn't love puppies. Love it. Love it. Love that show. Um, for any women or men watching that find him attractive, I did, we did the research for you. He is married with a kid. So do with what you want with that information. Kristen has done the groundwork for you. <laughs> Thank you yes, I, for your efforts. I, that's an extra give. Yeah, I, I have stalked for you and he is happily married with a child. So that's that. <laughs> We're big fans, big fans. Womp, womp. <laughs> oh, that's great, guys. Our thoughts are with Boulder, Colorado, uh, and anyone else who has experienced gun violence in America. It's so depressing to always have to get on here and say something. Oh, a mass shooting. I was going to say, like, it's really sad that we're having to do this again. But yeah, like we are... We are a podcast that where we want to get deep and below the surface and we want to talk about things that anger us or move us, but also things that make us happy and unique uh, and who we are. Uh, but it would be remiss of us if we weren't, if we weren't here, if we weren't going to acknowledge the issues with guns in this country. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Callie Made Us Do It. If you liked our episode, please like and subscribe. It will help us in the charts. You can follow us on Instagram at Callie Made Us Do It. We'd also like to thank RoboPop for our theme music. Callie Made Us Do It is edited and produced in-house by the three of us, Alex, Kristen, and Jody. See you next week with our next episode.